Today, we are wrapping up untying the knots. And it has been some knots, hasn't it? Yeah, this is a series about some odd things that Jesus told his followers not to do. And I keep using the word odd throughout the series because I think it's odd when most people say don't do something, it makes us want to do it, like the opposite. But when Jesus says not to do something, there really is a part, especially of those first followers, they wanted to to do what he said not to do, but it just seemed impossible until he rises from the dead. And then it all seemed possible. Here's kind of what we've walked through. Jesus said, do not fear. Do not worry. Now, you see what I'm saying? It's like, well, yeah, I would love to do that. Last week was do not judge. And I know the weather was kind of crazy last week. Um, if, you, if you didn't get to hear that one, I'm asking you to, to go, go to the website and take a listen. Because it is one of those things that is so vital to the health of us as a church. I hope that you'll go get it. Today, we're tackling the fourth not. And this is it. Do not doubt. Do not doubt. And we would say, just like all the others, but we do. Jesus said, do not doubt, but we do. Now, now come on, we don't, we don't make a date with doubt, right? We don't call doubt up and schedule. Doubt just shows up, kind of rude. Doubt just tends to show up in, in these certain moments uninvited. What do we do with it? What Jesus is going to say to us today, I believe, is going to be so helpful for us. And I want to make sure that you understand, I just ended that sentence with us. Because every once in a while, I get asked this question. Somebody will kind of usually come up beside me, and usually the question is posed with a whisper. Pastor, can I ask you a question? Rarely is that good, or just so you know. Pastor, can I ask you a question? Do you ever doubt? And I try to keep a straight face and respond with, No, only sinners doubt. That's what I try to do, but it usually, it usually doesn't, usually doesn't come out that way. Um, I I mean us because of course I have doubts. Of course I have doubts. As as I'm trying to walk this thing out with Jesus, of course. And you know what? I don't go looking for them. I don't schedule dates with them. Not, 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 not looking for them, but, but absolutely the doubts come. I'm convinced, I'm pretty sure everybody has doubts. And I would say that most of those doubts go into one of two buckets. One of those buckets is the is it worth it bucket. Is it worth it for me to actually give up what, what I'm giving up right now? Is it really worth it 
for me to miss out on what I'm choosing to miss out right here, and it doesn't seem like anybody else is missing out on this, it, is it really worth it to follow Jesus with what it seems to be costing me right now? With the sacrifice that I'm being called to make right now, is it worth it? The other bucket is what I would call the is it true? It, it can be foundational as is, is, is he really the son of God kind of, kind of is, it, is it true? But it can also be the can I really trust Jesus with what he's telling me to do here? Can, can, I, it, can I really trust him with the direction that I sense he's calling my life to? Is it worth it? Is it true? And I'm going to say that these tend to surface more. Um, is it worth it? Is it true? When I lose sight of the foundation of our faith. And when I say the foundation of our faith, it, is, it has been what we've talked about all the way through this series. It is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It, it is the foundation when somebody predicts their own death and resurrection and then it happens, that's who you want to be with. That, that's who you want to trust. It is why the people we read about in the book of Acts, those, those first followers who at one time had doubt, even about who he was, eventually they were all willing to die because of what they saw. He died and he rose again. And when we are able to keep that foundation, that takes the sand, it kind of sands off the edge of our doubt. But I'm saying 100% of Jesus' early followers doubted. Even those that we would consider to be incredibly strong like John the Baptist. Remember him? I mean, he gives us this picture of a tough guy, right? I, I, think, I think John, John would have driven a Toyota because he's a forerunner, right? He, he's, he's the forerunner who, who declares, hey, this is who Jesus is. This is the Messiah who is coming. And I mean, he's bold. He's bold. He, he, just, he just is tough in the way he delivers this message of repentance until John is arrested and put in prison, and then he's sending word to Jesus. And you know what John wants to know? Is it worth it? And is it true? Are you, are you really the Messiah? Are you, are you really the Son of God? All the apostles, all the apostles, they struggle with doubt. And obviously, at the point when Jesus is arrested, they determine that, that at that point, it's not worth it, and this does not appear to be true. Uh, we'll just single out one of them, because one of them even gets a nickname attached to what we're talking about today. Who was that? Thomas, and we called him 
Doubting Thomas, yeah, we, we give him this, this nickname. And, and what is interesting to me is that he doesn't get the nickname from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's not even in the, in the middle of Jesus' ministry. It happens at the end of Jesus' ministry. All of a sudden, we, we see these doubts in him. We label him. But I walk away from all of that with an incredible understanding. Jesus doesn't toss you out if you doubt. That's good. That's really good for most everybody in the room today. Jesus doesn't toss you out if you doubt. And I'm going to go ahead and say, you can doubt and follow. You can. Because what I mean is you don't have to have all your doubt worked out. You don't have to understand everything to believe something. And that's where a lot of us find ourselves. We can struggle with some things and still be solid on some things. We, we don't have to understand it all in, in order to believe some. All those first followers had doubt, and that is really good news for us. Because for some of you, you find yourself in that place that maybe for the first time in your life, you are really starting to grow in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe for the first time in your life, you're starting to read your Bible. For the first time, you're kind of getting in on that 1% thing, and you're reading a chapter every day, and, and you're praying. Uh, you're, you're, you're even starting to serve, but you've kind of come to this point where you're like, you know what, until I take a next step, like an, until I uh, take a step of baptism or until I really get involved in a ministry, I, there are just some things that I don't think I understand. There are some things that maybe I even doubt, and I really need to get all those figured out. No, you don't. No, you don't. Sometimes doubt, and I would say even often, doubt leads to greater faith. Some of us need to learn how to sometimes let other people wrestle with doubt. We do. As parents, that's tough. As parents, that's tough, especially when you watch your kids. But, but when your kids wrestle with doubt, it, it can often be those moments that lead to greatest faith. Jesus says, though, do not doubt. Why does he say do not doubt if we all wrestle with doubt? It's because if you don't learn to deal with it, doubt will take you out. Doubt will take you out. The Apostle Peter experienced this in a most dramatic way. A couple of uh, weeks ago, we actually looked at this story. We didn't look at this particular piece that I'm, I'm about to read to you here in just a second. But it, it's, it's the story where the disciples are in the boat and the wind is pressing against them and they are on the first rowing machine because they are rowing and going nowhere, all right? And it, it's the time when Jesus then comes walking on the water. Remember that story? You, you should at least remember from a couple of weeks ago. Jesus comes walking out on the water, and Peter suddenly realizes something. He says, Jesus, if you ask me to do it, you ask me 
to come to you. I, I think I can do that. Jesus, if you say, Peter, walk, then I, then I think that, that I too, this is, isn't it wild that Peter seems to understand here? This is not about me standing in the boat going, I think I can walk on the water. I think I can walk on the water. I think I can walk on the water. And, 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 and I'm determined I can walk on the water. I know that I can walk on the water. Peter doesn't play that game. He says, no, it's Jesus if you tell me to walk on the water then I think I can do it. And he steps out. Jesus says, come on. He steps out. And then you remember what happens. Matthew chapter 14, verse 30. But when he, that's Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. By the way, that's one of the best prayers I know. I prayed that one for the first time when I was about eight years old. Lord, save me. And he did. Here's what happens next. Verse 31. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and what? Caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, here's, here's where I want us to start, because I'm just trying to lay some stories down here for you to kind of give you some, some, some crumbs to help lead us to understand what we do with our doubt. Here's, here's the first piece. I will. Does Peter doubt? Does Peter doubt? What does Jesus do? Catches him. I would like to point out very clearly that Jesus catches Peter in the middle of doubt. Oh, that's good. That's good because some of y'all been taught your whole life that if you doubt, it's like everybody else in your life, Jesus just kind of hands off. You, you doubt, hands off. I would like us to recognize Jesus caught him while he was doubting. That's because doubt itself doesn't count you out. It can be a part of the process. When does Peter start to doubt? He starts to doubt when he starts to think this isn't going to work out. He starts to doubt, it says, when he sees the wind. And so he sees the waves. And when he sees that and he realizes these are not ideal circumstances, this may not work out when all of that happens, that's when he starts to doubt. Come on, is that not like us? That is exactly what we do. We step out and we follow Jesus and we are starting to grow and we are starting to understand, hey, Jesus... And this is not about me just generating, right, enough, enough faith, enough power. This is about you, you telling me how to move and, and directing me, and I follow, but then all of a sudden something happens. And it didn't happen the way I think it should have happened. And the wind gets a little strong. The waves get a little high. And I lose my job. I lose a loved one. Nobody's asking me out. I'm not married yet. 
Maybe, maybe this isn't. I mean, is it really worth it? And is this really true? I want you to know, please know, that if you do, if you doubt, you are not the exception to the rule. Because apparently all those first followers doubted. And as they doubted, Jesus caught them. Let me give you another clue, another piece. Jesus, uh, on another occasion, had just done a miracle. Um, the miracle involved a fig tree, which is like a whole entire sermon in itself. So you can read the story, and we'll do that some other time, but I'm just telling you that's the context of what's about to happen. And Jesus then says something that is so, so misinterpreted. I'm saying today, it is so misinterpreted in the culture in which we live. After Jesus does this miracle, Matthew chapter 21, Jesus makes this statement, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt... If you have faith and do not doubt, that, that means if, if, if you have confidence that God is who he says he is, if you have confidence that God does what he says he does, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Woo! Now here's what I, I really want you to know. These disciples, they grew up knowing the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. They did. They, they knew God's Word. And I am absolutely certain they did not think as a result of what Jesus said here, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a prayer request that we really would like to have, and, and, and we are going to just have a bunch of faith, bunch of faith, bunch of faith in order to force God to give us something that he really wasn't going to give us, but he said that if you have faith and you do not doubt, then we could get it. And I'm telling you, I believe because of their Old Testament background, these guys had way more respect for God than that. But isn't it amazing that that's where this verse gets taken in our culture and in our day? This, this verse gets taken to if you got enough faith, you just build your prayer request and you believe and you believe and you believe, I can walk on water, I can walk on water, I can walk on water, I know that I can walk on water, I believe that I can walk on water. And if you believe and do not doubt, then you will force God to meet your request because you have faith and do not doubt. This is not a name it, claim it, health, wealth place in the Bible. That is not Biblical theology. It's not. 
What Jesus is saying here is if you think that moving mountains is a big deal, it's not. And if you think that walking on water is a big deal, it's not. You have no idea what your heavenly Father is willing to do in and for and through you. If you will trust him and not allow your doubt to take you out. You think those miracles are a big deal? You, th- you think the, the fig tree, you think that's, that's a big deal? He, he's like, no. You, look, you have no idea what God is willing to do for you, what he's willing to do in you, what he's willing to do through you, if you will trust God and not allow your doubt to take you out. But if you do, then you're going to miss out on what God has for you. Maybe this is the way we could say it. What God originates, God will orchestrate if you don't doubt. Again, it's not us who is, who is originating. It's not us saying this. Is, it's God. You say it. God, when you direct it, God, when, when it's yours, you're, you're, then, then you are going to make a way if we don't let our doubt lead us to walk away from following you. Are you seeing it? Now, the big test, okay? I, I gave you those two. These are sort of like stairs. We're walking up here, and here comes the big test. This time, the disciples really are at a place where they are wavering on the edge of if they go one direction, I'm saying they're going to disappear. What I mean by that is if, if they go one direction in, in this scenario that we're about to read, you would have never heard of Matthew. You wouldn't have heard. You, you would have never even heard of these guys. They are at a place where they are, are risking allowing their doubt is, is it worth it? Is it true? They are risking allowing their doubt to snuff out their faith in Jesus that they would walk away. It happens again after a miracle. Jesus feeds the thousands. And everybody likes free food. Still to this day, we like free food. But in a culture where it was a little harder to get food. There, there was no fast food in that culture. It was even more precious. It was even a bigger deal. And so as Jesus feeds the thousands, that they just keep on coming, and everybody's been fed lunch, and now they're waiting on dinner, and this is really good. And Jesus starts saying, if you think that bread was good, I'm the bread of life. You think that bread was good. It's just temporary. I am eternal. And then Jesus makes this statement. You got to eat my body and drink my blood. Uh Uh-oh. People go, what? 
the disciples are like, what, what, what did he just say? Uh-oh. You, you got to eat my body and drink my blood. And the critics say, we got him. Because the Bible makes it clear that when Jesus made that statement, the crowds start dispersing. They start dispersing. The crowds are going, what did he just say? Now the disciples are watching the crowds disperse. And don't forget the crowds God used as a critical piece for the timing of Jesus' ministry, the timing of his arrest, the timing of his crucifixion, because the crowds protected. They protected. The, the, the enemies of Jesus, the ones who wanted him dead, they wanted to get to him long before they actually got to him. It's why they were always trying to get him alone, like at night in a garden. But the crowds would protect, and the crowds were always around. And Jesus is doing miracles, and, and Jesus is healing people, right? He's feeding people, and the crowds sort of protected. But now the crowds are starting to disperse. I mean, right at this moment where Jesus, we have, we have finally built the church, where, where we, we've built this following, we've built this gathering. All these people are coming, and then Jesus, could you just take back what you said? Jesus, could you, could you just say something different? I mean, really? Eat, eat my body and drink my blood? Jesus, you're... You're scaring them off. Jesus, you're, you're frightening them. And all of a sudden, they're asking, is it worth it? And they're asking, is it true? Let me show you. John chapter 6, verse 60. On hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Who said that? Who, who, who said that? Disciples said that. Je Jesus delivers a session of, of radical, and they're like, nah, we, I don't, we don't know Jesus. Nah, I don't know Jesus. How about something different? And so check it out. We're going to skip to verse 66. From this time, a few. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Uh, the buckets are getting... Right? They're getting a lot heavier. Oh, but these guys, they have no idea what hangs in the balance here. They have no idea what hangs in the balance here. Jesus has chosen these guys to do things far more important than walk on water. 
He has chosen them to do bigger things than move mountains. I mean, come on, if you've got enough big machinery, you can move a mountain, right? You get your hands on the right, on the right, uh, right machinery, you, 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 can, you can make a mountain move. He wants to do something so much bigger. He wants to give them something so much more supernatural. He is going to use them to shape history. But they find themselves at a place where they might walk away. Because of their doubt, because of what they don't understand, is this worth it? Is this true? So Jesus turns to them, and in verse 67, he just flat out asks the question, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Ruh-roh. Now they know. They know how Jesus asked questions. Jesus tends to ask questions for the answers to the questions that other people are thinking about asking, right? They know you better not lie to Jesus because he already knows the answer before you ask it. They've seen him do this. They've seen him do this on multiple occasions. We better not lie to Jesus. Well, 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 Jesus, we're we're just, we're kind of, we're kind of struggling. We're not not sure. But, But in this particular case, they are at a point where they are considering walking away. This is, this is not, hey, I, I, not just I don't understand. This is not just I'm, I'm trying to figure out what, what is true. This is because of this, I'm thinking about walking away. Their doubt is about to take them out. And Peter, <laughs> of course, Peter sees something that the rest of them have not seen. And he's about to ask a question that you need and I need. It it, it is the question that I need when I find myself in a place when I'm starting to wrestle with, is it worth it? Is it worth it with what I am having to deal with right now, God? Is it worth it with what I'm having to put up with right now, God? Is it worth it with what I'm having to sacrifice right now, God? Is, is it worth it? it? It is the question that needs to be raised when it, God is, 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 is it true, God, what, what you're saying? Is it true, God, can that be trusted, God? Is it, is it true? And this is simply what Peter asked, verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Can I just tell you? You better know before you go. You better know before you go. When you are choosing to step away from Jesus, you are choosing to step towards something else. That's what, we're, that's what Peter sees here. If you say no to Jesus because this is too 
difficult, this is too hard, then you are stepping towards something else. If, if you are stepping away from Jesus because you can't figure this out, you don't understand what's going on in this particular circumstance, then you are choosing to step towards something else. And what Peter realizes is that in the middle of all this that he doesn't fully understand, he knows far more about who he's about to walk away from than anything else that he's about to walk toward. Lord, to whom shall we go? Jesus was right about what they were thinking. They're thinking about going. Doubt whispers, is it true? Jesus whispers, if not me, who? If not me, who? And then Peter makes an amazing statement. After an amazing question, he makes an amazing statement. The rest of verse 68 reads this way. You, you, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, nobody else is talking about life beyond this life. Nobody else is talking about the, the, the more than just the, 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 the system of this world. Nobody else is talking about the eternal. But Jesus, you are the one talking about the kingdom of heaven. You are the one. And, and I'm not sure that I understand everything about what you just said. And, and I'm not even sure that I feel like this is fair, what you're calling me to do. I, I don't, it feels impossible, but to whom am I going to go? Because there's nobody like you. They had no idea of what they almost walked away from. They doubted. And I'm going to tell you that after this, this time, after that moment, they still doubted. Because they still can't explain what they got their big question over. The clarity is that nothing else is going to answer that question either. You understand? That they still don't have all of their things worked out. They, they still don't have the answers that they're wrestling for. The clarity is there's nobody else that we're going to turn to. Nobody else is going to do. And so they continue to doubt. And I'm telling you, when you read the rest of the gospel story, they continue to doubt all the way to the cross. But it wasn't until the cross that they actually abandoned Jesus. But that didn't last very long either. Because he still caught them. When three days later, Jesus comes walking out of a tomb. And as we read the pages of Scripture that follow, these same people who doubted, the same ones who were asking, is it, is it worth it? The same ones who were asking, is it true? That they're the same ones who are struggling with understanding. The same people are the ones who are standing in the streets of Jerusalem, declaring with all of their heart, you crucified Jesus, 
but God raised him from the dead. We have seen him. Now you repent and turn to Jesus. That's their message. Same people. Same people. God used that group of doubters to bring the message of Jesus forward. And listen, they brought it all the way here. But they did it. They did it by carrying their doubts with them through the process. Sometimes experiencing things that we don't know how to explain. Sometimes experiencing things that don't seem fair. Sometimes experiencing things that just downright aggravate us. God, what are you doing and why didn't you and where are you and what's happening? But they just kept carrying their doubts with them through the process until they got to a place where they were ready to declare, yeah, it is worth it. It is worth it, and it is true. Yeah, there's still sacrifice, and there's still struggle, and there's still some pain sometimes, but it is worth it because who he says he is really is who he is. He is the Son of God, a Savior who has risen from the dead. You... You will never know what God would have done if you allow your doubt to take you out. You'll never know. You will never know what God would have done if you allow your doubt to take you out. Man, that's why you need people to walk this out with you. It's why you need your life teams. Because there really is doubt. There really is struggle. And you'll never know. You'll never know what God would have done if you allow your doubt to take you out and you walk away. You'll never know what God would have done with your marriage if you allow doubt to take you out. You, you will never know with what God could have done in that financial situation, in that, in that job situation, in that family situation. You, you will never know what God would have done if you allow your doubt to take you out and allow your doubt to force you to go somewhere else. I mean, I'm going to say, <laughs> come on, you don't even know what God's doing right now. You don't know what he's doing. You may get some glimpses of what God's doing, but you don't know the whole picture. You don't know the whole story of how far God's going for you right now. You don't know how far, what he's doing in you right now. You don't know. You don't know what God is orchestrating and bringing to pass right now. And in the middle of your doubts, there's that part of you that may want to walk away. You're trusting, you're trying to trust God you know, with your body. What I mean is maybe you're, you're trying to be single in a culture that has a different view than Jesus' view. You're trying to be single in a culture that has a different view 
of timing than God has. You, you, you're, you're trying to be single in a culture that has a different view of value. It's like, I am trying to walk this out in a way that Jesus tells me to walk this out. I, I, am, trying, I am trying to trust him physically, trying to trust him with my body, trying to do this the right, and it's like nobody else cares. Nobody else in this world even seems to care. Is it even worth it? Is it really worth it for me to fight for what he tells me is the right way to walk this out? Is it, is it even worth it? And here's what I'm going to tell you. You will never know unless you continue to follow Jesus because if you walk away from Jesus on this deal, you are stepping toward something else. Where are you going to go? You have no idea what God is doing regarding your future. You have no idea what God is doing. And you'll never know unless you follow. You're trying to trust God with your money. Getting out of debt. Being more generous. The further you walk this out, the more money you make, the more money you give, the more generous you are. And then all of a sudden somebody's like, well, why are you doing that? I mean... You realize you really don't have to go that far. You really don't have to trust God that far. I mean, come on, look around you. It's, it's quite possible that you don't have to go near that far with your generosity. You don't have to go near that far with your resources. I mean, despite, despite what Jesus says, just, just look around you. you, don't, you, don't, you are you crazy? Is it worth it? And I'm saying you will never know. You will never know unless you continue to follow Jesus. You're trying to trust God with your marriage. I thought a lot this week. I'm convinced that every marriage struggles. I really am. I, I, I struggle to believe anybody that would tell me they were married for you know length of time and never had any struggles. It's struggle. It's, it's two people. Two sinners, right? Even sinners that may both be redeemed, uh, it, we're, we're still two, two, two sinners. And so in, any marriage, that there is struggle. And I, I, I thought a lot this, this week about just for Jen and myself, we've been married for 30 years. And, you know, our struggles didn't come in the five years that we dated. That was great. We didn't struggle in the five years that we dated. We didn't. We, there was never any on, off, that kind of thing. Hey, we're together, not together. That, no, in five years, that, I mean, it was the, the, the struggles came. The struggles came when, when, when we were married and all that stuff of finances, trying to go to school and the pressure of all that. I, I remember we moved to Texas moving her away from her entire life system of friends. Uh, it, she had lived in the same place her whole life. And we picked up and moved, and I so missed how big of a deal that was because I had picked, I, I, my family, we had picked up and moved several times. I knew what it was to, to have to move to a different place and deal with that kind of stuff. 
And, and I, I so miss the weight of all that. And I mean, uh, I, she's okay with me telling you this. There, there was some, some depression that was connected to that, just leaving and being uh, alone and all the stuff that went with it. And I wasn't smart enough. I'm digging in on what I see as, you know, moving forward and learning and going to school and preaching and doing all that stuff. And it's like, I miss, I, there are times I miss things. I, I think about it's just struggles that uh, certain times of tension in our lives. When kids are two, three, four, oh my goodness. That is such a difficult time. I, I don't mean it's necessarily a difficult time to exist, but it's a difficult time to really be married. You can exist, you can, you can make it all work, but when kids are two and three, and I think back through those times when our kids were really young and all the, all, all the energy that that took and just all those possible moments where she and I, you know, would struggle and, and try to fight through and work this out. And Well, this, this week I had a most powerful conversation. Um, a conversation that I had with a, a young lady, and really it wasn't a conversation, it was, it was about her talking. Um, and I have lots of conversations with people, lots of comp personal conversations with people, but I don't share them unless they give me permission. And uh, she gave me permission. And so I, um, I'm going to share literally this conversation with you. Oh, yeah? Papa. 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 Yeah? Papa. Yes. What is this? Papa. Yes. That's a pretty big story. You think that's true? Yes. Yes. Okay. I love you. You may, you may think this is silly, but I'm going to interpret to you what I heard this week. Papa, what if you and Lola, that's what she calls her, had given up somewhere along the way? Papa, What if you or Lola had decided to bail out in one of those seasons when it wasn't so great and there was lots of pressure and lots of tension? And... Papa, what if, what if you or Lola at any point in 30 years had decided to, you know, walk a little too close towards someone else? Papa, 
And when she did her hands like this, I'll tell you what she was saying. Papa, you would have never known what God would do when you don't let doubt take you out. Papa, you know how my, my mama loves my daddy. Papa, you know, you know how AK loves our family the way that she does. Papa, you know, you know how much I love Nick and how precious he is to me. And Papa, we, we, we wouldn't even have had Nick. Papa, you would have never known what God would do if you had let doubt take you out. She's right. She's right. And so I have come to the point in my life of declaring, doubt, you may never fully leave. There may always be questions that I have. Particular circumstances I don't understand. Questions that I haven't figured out. Doubt, you may never fully leave. But doubt, you are not allowed to lead. Doubt, you may never fully leave. But you can follow me while I'm following Jesus. That's how we're going to do this. If you refuse to leave, you at least don't get to lead because we ain't going somewhere else. Who else are we going to turn to? Who else are we going to put our trust in? You can follow me while I'm following Jesus. And I hear you whispering, is it true? But I hear Jesus louder saying, if not me, then who? So, we've untied some knots, haven't we? We have untied some knots. Do not fear. Even when you got something to be afraid of, because the one who died and rose from the dead, he's got you. Do not worry. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. He knows it today, and he knows it tomorrow. Do not worry. Do not judge. Because love, love requires more of you. Love requires that you don't size people up and write them off. But love also requires that you don't size them up and walk away just like your heavenly father didn't do to you. He caught you when you doubted. So do not doubt in the sense of you can have your questions, you just bring them to Jesus. You can have your struggles, just keep bringing them to Jesus because you have no idea what your heavenly Father has for you and where else really are you going to go. We take these words serious because of who said them. He is the one who died and rose from the dead. Somebody willing to give his life for you, that means he can be trusted. Do you understand that the knots are really an invitation for your heart to be close to him.